0: and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Happner. Hey guys, it's Matt here. Before we get going, we just want to thank our episode sponsor, KB Crypto. Do you want to see your money work for you? Featured in Google Finance and Business Insider, KB Crypto is paying weekly profits of up to 15% monthly to those who invest even just one time. There are no hidden fees, an AI-based trading pool and full access to the company's financials for investors. You can find KB Crypto on YouTube, Instagram, and at kbcrypto.ai.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Pure Victory Podcast. You have Braden here and Matt here. Hey, hey. Chatting with you once again. And today we're going to talk about two different kinds of shame And why that matters for us to know, right? I mean, we talk about shame. I don't think I've ever thought of it that there maybe there's types to shame, or maybe there's some nuance to what shame does for us. But, you know, shame is this thing that really cripples us. And it really is linked to addiction because when you're struggling with porn or masturbation or any other kind of relational stuff, Shame might really just keep you stuck in kind of a hole that you can't climb out of. And you keep others away, you keep God away, and you just feel like you're broken and defeated and you can't move forward in life, so why try? And then shame's just a really damaging thing. And so often, to move away from addiction, we got to address shame. We got to talk about it. We got to understand it. And then maybe start to identify the areas in our life where
0: we have shame. Kind of looks like pride sometimes. I think a lot of people say that, Oh, that person has pride. But sometimes it's just shame. And, and I think that it manifests itself kind of the same way sometimes. But pride is more like you're doing things to look good or like just to have other people be amazed by you. or shame is like you're doing things for acceptance. Mm. So both lead you to do things not from necessarily a place of being 100%, 100% authentic but you're you're continually doing things you're putting yourself out there in order to gain the approval of people or the acceptance of people but the motivation with pride is more like oh i just want them to you know think highly of me i want them to compliment me or see how amazing i am where shame is like i just want them to accept me yeah. i just want them to see value in me where i don't see value in myself
1: or to to you know really know who i am you know i don't want anybody to know so i'm going to create this facade right this fake person and so they don't really see who is behind the curtains here because I think it's too bad it's too terrible and no one will ever love me right that kind of thing yeah yeah Um, totally and so maybe to give some terminology to shame because I mean what a shame Um, well guilt and shame often can kind of get mixed up guilt's this understanding maybe that we did something wrong and we feel really bad about that and guilt can be crippling too but shame is completely different animal shame is i believe you may have done something wrong but i believe there's something wrong with me no one can love me no one can accept me if they saw who i was they would just they would feel disgusted by me or you know so i don't want people to know me you know you feel like their your identity is broken and evil and wrong and, and just sick and i don't want anybody to know that and so you do your best to just hide and often you know that's uh a choice you make, or sometimes it's just a life pattern that you you just unknowingly enter into because you're just so afraid of anybody maybe quote unquote, discovering who you are. So you feel like something's wrong with you is really what shame is all about,
0: yeah. Like if people found out the truth, what they think about me, right? But you know we got to be careful with what our identity is, and we got to really understand what our identity is, um who who God says we are and the things that we think and say about ourselves. I mean, sometimes I think like, I sing sometimes, but I mean, my wife, sometimes she's funny. She's like, yeah, I like your voice. And then the other time she's like, Matt, Matt, babe, you sound like a dying cat when you <laughs> sing. Stop singing. You're the songbird of our generation, Matt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's so funny too with David, our three-year-old. He's like, daddy, no, stop singing. I want to sing. He's like, daddy, quiet. <laughs> Louise like, yeah, he's even onto it. That's yeah. oh, so funny. But I'm like, man, I found a bad singer. It doesn't mean that that's like I need to be ashamed. Like, oh man, this is who I am. It's like no, I just I just sing poorly. Whatever, it's fine. If I'm a good singer, it's like is that going to be my identity or am I just a good singer? Right. Like it's not like oh that's just who you are. You need to prove it to everybody. Like no, you just got a talent. Like you're just good at singing. (laughs) So it's like who who are you, right? Like who are you versus what do you do? Mm -hmm. And so guilt is what have you done wrong? Well, I'm terrible singer. Sound like a dying cat sometimes. But it doesn't mean that that's my identity. Yeah. That, that's and now I need to cover myself and now I need to do other things to prove that I'm, that I'm, that I should be accepted. Yeah. And so there's that really big difference and we got to be careful with it because the singing thing is, just a funny thing, but other things are, are more serious. And so I'm saying that on purpose just to make it, make it or bring it to light that like, you don't have to be so serious about certain things that you're, you're not that good at. Yeah. Like you don't need to be so serious. Sometimes it's like, ah, oh, I'm not a good singer. Like, like, you can lighten up a little bit about some things and not make it your identity.
1: That's a great point. I think that's really a key to shame because maybe you do something wrong and you have guilt about that. But what shame is different is that you do something wrong and you're like, that is exactly who I am. That's who I am. I did this bad thing. That's who I am. Just living out of who I am. So I'm terrible. I'm evil. I'm bad. That's who I am. So it's different. Like you, yeah, you kind of, you mask over or, or you cover over yourself with that lie And that's what shame does to you. It really does. And, you know, often with shame, it's based out of a misunderstanding of who God is too. Because we have a real hard time understanding that God has kindness for us and acceptance for us and love for us. That he died for us when we were still sinners. It wasn't based on our performance. You know, oh, you did good enough. Okay, now I will die for your sins. It was when we were at our worst. And we have a hard time understanding that, receiving that, accepting that, because we're a very performance-based driven society. And growing up, maybe that was what was, dr- you know, drilled into your head is that you get love when you perform, when you do well, when you're good, when you get the grade, when you score the goal, when you, you know, go down the list, right? That's when you get acceptance. So when you don't do that, then you feel shame and then our view of God really becomes that he's angry. He's in the sky there, just angry at us, always angry because we're never performing. And he's just really disapproving of us. Um, He doesn't accept us for, you know, who we are. He just is just this angry, wrathful God. And, you know, I think that that view of it just shapes how we view ourselves too. And it's so damaging because that's not who God is.
0: Yeah, and imagine just living life where it's like, oh man, God, like the maker of everything fully loves me and accepts me and just pursues me and wants me. Like, if you're not good at singing, or if you're not good with money, or if you've sinned, like, I mean, the maker of everything loves you with yeah. unconditional, never-ending, unfailing love. Like, that tr- that really trumps the the feelings of, I'm not good at something, therefore yeah. that's who I am. So the idea of identity is a really big thing and we're going to get into that a little bit later but um, but there's two kinds of shame that we can look for. There's physical isolation um, and there's soul isolation. So physical isolation is when you literally hide from people or you don't see people or you you self-sabotage in relationships. So you have a friend that, you know, you, you just look up to them, you respect them so much and, and you're just like, man, I'm not as good or i'm not as funny or i'm not as talented as that person and so eventually you're just like yeah you know like you like you invited me to something but i'm just going to feel inadequate when i'm with you so i'm just not going to go there's that physical isolation where you got to think about like like am i saying no to certain relationships because i feel inadequate well then there's a shame pattern there that you're that you've got to identify and so what that is really showing, what the shame pattern is showing is that there's a lack of your uh, revelation of who God says you are. Mm-hmm. And you need to really dive in to being more loved and more secure in in the view or in the eyes of God. And then the second kind of shame would be soul isolation where you're, you're hiding your shame uh, or you're hiding your soul. Like you're with people, but you're just putting on this face. You're just like, I want you to see a certain side of me so that you don't see my junk and don't see my dirt. And so you can either hide from people some people they're in romantic relationships and they leave because they don't feel adequate yeah. and it just leaves and, and and it ends because they don't feel like they can be around that person and so there's physical but then there's the soul isolation where it's like you're you're in that relationship but you're never truly open never really fully open about who you are and so this could be in relationships in marriage in friendships uh work relationships even with strangers like if you're meeting people and you just put on this front about who you are and there's soul isolation. And so you can identify these things as, you know, even as you're listening, but especially as you're going about your life moving forward and just constantly be like, man, am I, am, is there a pattern of shame anywhere in my life? And there's layers. Like, I think that on a level
1: we've all battled degrees of shame. Um, we all have, because um, we all have layers of insecurity as well to that come out of our shame. And then often it, like you're talking about those two kind of kinds of shame in the way that we respond um, can come out of that physical and that soul aspect as well. And I th- so I think it's it's just acknowledging this because sometimes when we say, oh, I struggle with shame. You know, we, we view that as a certain, uh, you know, an archetype, of person, you know, like you're that person where you're just, it's a big deal, shame. But, you know, what I'm saying by this is that we all have layers to this. And I mean, I still do, you know, there's times where I struggle with, you know, like even when we're talking about certain people in your life that maybe you see and they're doing very well in life. They look the part, um, they're successful in what they do and that, you know, rises up insecurities in yourself and that could be based out of the shame that you feel like you don't match up or that who you are isn't like that. So you feel down on yourself, right? I mean, and ask yourself this question. Have you been in a situation where someone gets praised for something and that makes you feel insecure? Yeah. <laughs> I mean this is something that I've battled before in the past where you feel that and you're like, where is that coming from? Can I just be happy for that person? And you wrestle with this and struggle with this. And, um, often I feel like sometimes God is so gracious and he's showing us this stuff. Um, but sometimes we don't recognize even that, you know, we don't have a thought about it. We just feel insecure. And then, you know, that's really steeped in this shame and then we never deal with it. So the reason I bring up that question is, have you been there? And if so, just acknowledge it and say, hey, maybe I have some layers here that I need to address and start thinking about. Um, because, you know what, shame is one of those things. If we have it in our life, it's, it doesn't typically stay the way it is. It actually, if left undressed, kind of grows worse. Like yeah. over time, it doesn't get better if we leave it unattended or allow God into that area as he's kind of prodding us and prompting us to, to give it to him. Like if we just, you know, put a wall around it and say, no, you are not touching this, then it often gets worse. It doesn't get better.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. I love that you're saying you got to identify and acknowledge these things because for so long, like for, for example, in my life, uh, when I was growing up, I really did two things primarily. When I was a kid I mean I Obviously in school Everybody's in school And and I played sports Primarily hockey So Played hockey I was always playing With older kids In hockey At the top level I never got cut from a team Until I was 16 Playing junior And I was a For It doesn't matter to, to The details I'm just saying Like I was he, a, he was a really good
1: Hockey player guys Like it's a It's, it's a sight to behold To watch him skate So It's a, w- a treat
0: It's a treat now it's like, like if you see me now, you're like, "What are you talking about?" This is Braden's a much better skater than I am. But anyways, I did well, and so then in in I played lacrosse. I was good at lacrosse. I was top goalie the one year I played goalie. I was like top. Not I never led led the league, but I was top few scorers in lacrosse. Uh, a couple years I played golf. I won a golf tournament when I was a kid. Like I was pretty good. School I was a year ahead. In school, in, in math, I'd like leave my classroom and and, uh, and when math came and I do. You were one of those special kids, like those
1: <laughs> IB kids who. So, yeah. <laughs> so I ended
0: up skipping a grade. Actually, yeah. I did. I did grade four or five in the same year, and well, then I went to grade up, six. Hold up! Hold
1: up! We got to do that. That's some applause. I'm impressed. <laughs>
0: So I'm not looking for that, but all that I'm just saying this to identify this and Brad, you just wanted to make funny. I can just see your face. You just wanted to chirp me, but, but I got to a point where then I'm an adult and I've just excelled at everything. And now all of a sudden I'm in in areas in life where maybe I'm not as, I'm not excelling to the point where other people are and they're being celebrated and I'm just used to doing really well. And now other people are maybe doing better. And so I'm like, how do I even handle this? And I'm thinking, like, these people, they never they never did what I did in school. They never did what I did in sports. Like, how are they better at this other thing than I am? And so I had to really battle this uh, feeling like, man, now I've got shame. Like, I should be better than this at whatever I'm doing, and now I'm not. And and I'm realizing, like, my skill set isn't just, ex- like, excellent at everything in life. And so I'm having to battle this thing that you're talking about. Like, there's... um. Uh, opportunities to celebrate other people but I just feel insecure and I just feel shame but I never really identified it Uh, I it just kind of like I could feel the like the tension inside of me and I wasn't super happy for other people but I never identified it for what it was and dealt with it and so it probably lingered for I'd say most of my well early 20s early to mid 20s and then I really started just I was 26, 27, 26, I guess, really started growing in the Lord and and diving in and like he became my everything. And that was the point where I started learning more about, okay, this actually isn't healthy, but this is maybe where this came from. The feelings of shame now that I'm not just like the best at everything. And so then I was able to identify it. But what's happened now is I'm, I'm, I actually, I've gotten to the point in the last couple of years where I actually thank God for opportunities where I get rejected or where there's closed doors or where other people excel. I can celebrate those people more than I used to. Not that I'm perfect, but, but I also like, I thank God for these reminders always. Cause I was like, Oh, this is not about me. This is what you got. I'm still fully accepted. This mm-hmm. doesn't define me. And I'm always constantly praying these things and thanking God for these reminders that like I can still grow. I don't have to be the best. It's not about me. I can still grow in things. But this this shame pattern that I've identified, uh, it actually came from excelling at something Mm -hmm. because I was used to that. And that became my identity. My identity wasn't a child of God. My identity was I skipped a grade. I was a great athlete. That was my identity. And so when that was stripped away from me, all of a sudden then there was so much shame in my life.
1: I I totally relate to that. I mean there's yeah. You I would you totally you're relate to that, that. <laughs> too?
0: <laughs> you would. Everybody the, does, right? No, the, but the it. brains, the excelling <laughs> at everything, being the best—you would relate.
1: <laughs> uh, well, no, not necessarily. But I what how I relate to that is I understand. You know, wrapping your identity up in, in certain things like your acceptance uh, is found in your performance. You know, if you perform, you're accepted. Um, and you know, one of the things I noticed too that as you're mentioning that is, um, often you know when you you are battling an addiction like porn and you have shame in your life and you don't want people to know what's going on in the inner self and the inner life you overcompensate and you you really go one end and that's it becomes exhausting because you really try to perform and outperform your addiction you try to outperform the shame you feel the feelings right of that and you try to mask over it and just cover dirt over it and you know, you try to just shove it into this corner of your life as much as you can. And you don't want to deal with it. And it's really exhausting. And then that's where that, you know, that physical isolation, you can only run so hot like that for so long. And then you burn out because it just, th- this, the cracks form. You haven't fixed anything. It's like you've spackled over things and spackle's not strong. And it just, the shame just breaks forward from you. And then you just, you isolate yourself from others when you get to the point where you can't deal with life anymore. And you know, that's where, yeah, you physically remove yourself from situations or people or relationships or whatever else. And you know, it's, it's just so sad that we do that. And I was there. I, I did that too. If you're out there listening and you might be like, Hey, I've, I've been doing this as well. And often, you know, it's, it's very exhaustive kind of life to live. And God doesn't call us to live a life like that. And what, you're, what Matt's talking about is you strip all that away, you take it all away, and then you realize just what's left is exactly what God died for. You don't have to perform to achieve his acceptance for you. And then when he loves you and, and in that moment of just who you really are, um, and you live out of that identity, it's freeing the love you experience is freeing and you're understanding that I don't have to outperform my shame or my addiction or whatever else. And you realize that God's going to work in that. You're just so much more free. And just what you were talking about, Matt, how you you encounter God on that level and you're free. And that's when you can be happy for people when yeah. they they get praised for doing something well, or you can, you, you can really feel good. Um, in situations where there's people around you that are successful, like because you're, you're, you're assured and firm in who you are, your identity, because you know who God says you are. So it doesn't matter about the people around you. You're just firm in who you are. How great is that? You know, and I say this like it sounds like I got to figure it out. I don't. I'm still learning this, but I'm going to tell you I've received a measure of freedom on this area because God's touched my shame and dealt with a lot of these areas. And seeing that, man, it's just it's so much better than trying to outperform shame and
0: yeah the other stuff <laughs> yeah it's it's so much better like for example i mean you you're struggling with porn you want to get free and you hear other guys who are free and maybe there are guys who struggled shorter lengths of time than you did or they're younger than you and you're like what the heck why are they free and i'm not yeah. do you feel shame or do you feel happy for them mm. a lot mm-hmm. of times you feel shame like what's wrong with me right well y- you could learn from those people you could learn a lot God has different ways of working with different people. There's different times. I mean He always wants us free from sin but and from bondage but but there's different things and so do we learn or are we happy or are we just like, oh man, I, I'm gonna go back into my cocoon or my turtle shell and just hide and just like like be you know beat myself up. And so when we do that and we don't feel good and then we go into porn or we go to masturbation or whatever we do, then that just increases the shame. And then when we physically isolate or we isolate our soul and we don't open up to people, then the shame just grows because what's, what's, what's kept in the dark will grow. Mm-hmm. So then we feel even worse and then we go back to our sexual sin and then we feel even worse and then we don't deal with it. So then we feel worse, then we go back to our sexual sin. And so there's got to come a time where you're like, man, you know what, I'm just tired of the shame. Often, it's not even just that there's an addiction to porn. It's actually that you're in bondage and shame. A lot of times that's more what it is. And so when you bring things out into light and start aden- identifying this, it's really powerful.
1: Yeah, because like often the porn is, um, we, we think it's just the, the center and the epicenter of our problems. But really, I think it's just on the outskirts and, and shame is the thing that's driving it. You know, because you're saying like we, we battle this this feeling of something's wrong with me. I'm unlovable. I'm not accepted. So when you feel in that bad state, you want to make yourself feel better. So you go to things like porn, but that just increases your shame. It's like this terrible cycle, right? And it just grows and gets worse and worse and worse. And that's when you really start to recognize, or I mean, you may not recognize it right away, but that you're distancing yourself from anything good in your life. You're distancing, distancing yourself from those people that maybe could help you or relationships that are good. And, you know, often when we're feeling bad about ourselves, we want to just be stuck in a place or not stuck. We want to be in a place where we don't have to think about any of these things or... Have a mirror turned on us, right? Um, like sometimes that those insecurities come about when we see people around us that, like you're saying, that like maybe they're, you hear this guy, hey, I've been porn free for two years. And you're like, oh, it's like a knife to my heart. Like yeah. I'm never getting there. And you just feel terrible about yourself. So you're like, well, I'm not ever going to talk to that guy again. I'm going to yeah. be away from that guy. I'm going to get away from that guy. Yeah. You guy.
0: physically isolate.
1: Yeah. And then, and then you're not able to get help because often people like that. You know, they want to turn around and help or encourage you knowing that there's hope. <laughs> you can be free. And so that's why, you know, this this kind of shame where you physically isolate yourself is something that maybe we can start to recognize. So think this through. Are you physically isolating yourself from other people? You know, be honest. Are, are there's areas that you're doing this. So uh, I think it's just acknowledging it and owning it. And then that maybe is an indicator you know, that check engine light that we've talked about in the past, that something is off.
0: Like ask yourself these questions. Are you good at apologizing? Mm -hmm. Do you just own it? Like when you make mistakes, you're like, man, I'm really sorry. I just did that. Or are you like, I did that, but it's because of this other person. Like Adam, it's because of God. It's because of that woman that you gave me, (laughs) Eve. Like, no, it's because of the snake. snake deceived me. Like, are are you, do you deflect or do you, can you actually just look someone in the eyes and be like, I'm really sorry for what I did? Yeah. Like, that's an indicator of, is there shame there? Mm -hmm. Do you deflect? Do you blame other people? Do you justify? Well, the only reason I did that is because this person did that to me or because whatever happened to me. I mean, do you do do that? Because if you're not willing to fully own a mistake, chances are there's shame there. Because if you think about this, like if you're fully if you were to be fully understanding of how much God loves you, man, making a mistake is like, whatever, like I can just own it. I'm fully loved by God. And so if we can't do that, there is shame there that you got to identify. And so there's, if you know, Brene Brown, I'm sure some of you listeners know Brene Brown, B-R-E-N-E Brown. And she does a lot of research on vulnerability and shame and transparency and stuff. And she's funny. She's, She's really good. She's well researched and spoken, but she's funny too and tells good stories, but she talks about uh areas where shame grows and it show it, it grows shame grows in our lives where there's secrets, there's silence and there's judgment. And so when we carry secrets, the shame just grows because it's like, man, if somebody knew this, they would see me differently. That's an indicator of shame or you, you know, I got to do this on my own. I can't let other people in to help me with this thing because they won't want to help me they'll just want to judge me or if I or if they do you know help me then I can't do it on my own and I should be able to do this on my own like that's a that's a shame pattern there so when there's secrets in your life if you're not willing to share with people there's probably there's probably shame if there's silence like if you're just like I'm not going to talk um about things even if they're out in the open if it's not secrets, but like say marriage, friendship, whatever. If someone wants to talk about something or help you with something and you just go silent and just go cold, there's probably shame there. If you're constantly judging yourself, if there's negative judgment or you feel judged by people, even if they're not judging you negatively, but if you feel it, like like for example, if you're if you're struggling financially and you're around somebody who's doing really well and then you're talking about something that you can't afford but they can and you're feeling like they're judging you then there's a shame pattern there chances are they're not i mean if they are it's on them but if you're feeling judged or you judge yourself then shame will grow in those areas and so you just got to really identify where are these areas where i feel that uh that shame or how do i talk to myself Mm -hmm. and in which which things do i talk about when i talk about or or mention words that indicate shame Mm -hmm. you got to identify that so that you can start to get free
1: yeah, that really ties into the soul is, isolation part of the shame as well, too, because especially the judgment thing here that you were mentioning. And I, I've seen this. It's you judge yourself based on what you feel your identity is in that shame. And you know what happens when you do that to yourself? You turn around and do that to others so much more easier. Yeah, Like if you can't give yourself grace and receive that from God you're going to be very judgmental towards others so in any kind of community where you feel a little bit threatened maybe so maybe insecurities are coming out you're going to judge that community and you're going to start to assign them intention you're going to make assumption about their you know their motives. Um, you're going to start characterizing them as a certain kind of people, or even doing character assassination because you just you just feel insecure, and you the only way you can protect yourself is judging others. And so, I've seen this. Like, um, if you're a Christ follower, um, you might relate to this as well. Like, sometimes people that will jump from you know different churches, and there's lots of reasons why some people might do that. But I've seen some reasons because they're in a community, and then. Over time, they can't be a part of that community anymore because maybe they feel insecure or somebody came out and challenged them or they, a mirror has been turned on them and they just don't feel comfortable there anymore. So they, that's that soul isolation, right? Or the physical isolation. Yeah. But coming back to that judgment thing, they view, they start to characterize certain people, a pastor there as, oh, they're, they're not good. Or, um, you know, some of the volunteers there, oh no, they didn't, they weren't caring for me. So they're terrible people. And then I got to leave this place. Right. So nope. <laughs> that happens a lot. And I've seen that. And, um, that's where, you know, if you're judging yourself based on this shame, you will do the same thing to others way more easily. Um, if you're not, if you're not really receiving from God who you truly are.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely true. And another way to say that is if you're not receiving grace from God, you're not going to be able to give grace to other Mm -hmm. people. If you don't receive it, you can't give it. And so we got to be able to receive grace and receive love. And so when we identify it, we got to then be like, okay, what am I going to do? How do I break this? I mean, (laughs) this is, this is funny, Brad, and you don't know why I'm even going to say this, but. A little bit ago, I said, I was talking to Braden about things and I just said to him, like, you know, man, like sometimes I'm hesitant to share things with you because I feel inferior towards you. And then I remember you looked at me and you're like, well, I feel inferior towards you in some things. And I was like, man, (laughs) we we had these things that we just never talked about. And then once we talked about it, we can be more secure with each other. Right. And so uh, it was just neat. That we both felt those things, and then we could just be open, and then realize like, oh, that's okay. Like we we're good. Like I'm still fully accepted by you, and, and it's it's just neat when you can be open. And so, what breaks shame uh, is just there's three things that Brené Brown talks about. She talked about love, empathy, and a restored identity. And I mean, think about Adam and Eve. Even like they're hiding, right? Like they're they're carrying secrets or they're wanting to be silent they're they're hiding from god after they sin uh and then they they see that they have flesh they see that they're naked like they're judging themselves like oh now i'm a sinner now i'm just this is who i am and so then god comes and he chases them down and like hey i'm pursuing you i'm showing you that i love you right and then he goes um he he restores their identity he he covers them with garments in other words there's a death that takes place to provide these garments for them and animal skin so it's a representative of Jesus dying for us to cover us uh, and so he he restores our identity and then the empathy part is like man I've I, I can understand where you are like I can see it like Jesus came and he took our place he can understand where we are in terms of being in sin and even says in temptation with temptation like he was tempted in every way so he can relate to us there's to break shame we got to receive love. We got to receive empathy and we got to restore our true identity. And that can be from other people, but we don't want to be a victim to that. We can even do that ourselves and go in, and by going to God.
1: Yeah. And you know, I think, you know, one of the things I notice about those three things is that um, it takes a layer of vulnerability to enter into that. And often that means we have to bring down those walls that we've built up and crafted so carefully over the years, actually trusting some people, um, believing what God says about us. And it takes an initial kind of response and it's uncomfortable at first because being vulnerable, if you haven't been, is is a little bit uncomfortable. But I'm going to tell you that the reward is far greater than the cost of that. You know, it really is. And, you know, being able to receive love from God and give love, being able to just... Acknowledge that, hey, we're we're have some similarities in this, like what Matt's talking about. Like it was so cool in those moments, like that I have with him, and you know, even our friendship, being able to just talk about stuff and realize man, you know, like we have our stuff, we are both navigating this and journey this, but how great it is that we can do that together instead of, you know, trying to hide this or trying to outperform it or whatever else, you know, we can share in this and that actually grows us in our relationship with God and with each other. So it's really neat how God works in this. And then the empathy aspect of it, like, you know, empathy is this thing where we put ourselves in someone else's shoes and do our best to try to understand. And when we do that, It really changes us because often, you know, we have a selfish component to us where we only look inward and we, especially when we have shame, we don't really want to, we don't want to deal with that, but it keeps us stuck from maybe being able to empathize with others at all. Like we just can't, like we just, we, like we we were talking about earlier, you know, you view a person a certain way, especially if you, you know, you don't feel like you can be forgiven. You're very unlikely to forgive another person. And, and so in empathy, though, that the practice of that, it, it changes you um, and it opens you up and gives you better understanding of others, greater love for others. Um, and I think that's so key. It's something I'm still learning is being able how to empathize with others.
0: Yeah, it's cool when you invite other people in and you get to you get to be able to empathize with others and you get to be able to relate to them. And man, I remember I remember one time I was I might have shared this once I can't remember, but I I was uh, feeling shame about something, and then I did, I hadn't told my wife. I don't know if it was like a couple weeks or something. And then I I was in the bathroom one day, and I was and uh, I just felt like the Lord said to me, "If you don't tell your wife, then when you achieve victory over this struggle, she, she's not going to be able to celebrate with you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're limiting the celebration of the victory." And I was like, "Oh man, that's so true." So then I had to go and tell her and I think it took me a bit to even do that cuz there there was shame but I I did that and then she's just like oh i it's whatever i love you <laughs> like it's all good like it wasn't even a big deal Yeah it was it, I just remember the principle like the the lesson of that story mm. was just like man when you don't let other people in to love you and to empathize with you and to yeah. speak your identity over you you're actually limiting whether or not you will achieve victory over whatever you have shame with, but, but even if you do achieve victory, you're limiting the celebration with that because it's so much more cool to celebrate with people who've walked it out with you.
1: Yeah. And then God isn't really elevated in those moments too. And we try to keep it to ourselves because yeah. he's working in our lives and you know, he deserves all the glory for everything in our life that, that, that comes from the, from him and is good. And you know, when we have victory over things, people, they want to connect to that in the sense that, you know, when you're able to share and open up with others, you're just being real, authentic about who you are. You're not a perfect person. You're just, you know, a, a broken vessel that God is working in and working through. And when that occurs, people connect to you. And then not only that, but God is glorified. So don't rob those moments from, from. I mean, God's going to be glorified one way or another, but in, in situations like this, often we limit what God can do through us because, you know, we take ourselves out of the game. And, uh, you know, all the great stories and books I've ever read, isn't about perfect people. I'm not interested in those stories. I'm interested in stories of struggle and people seeing victory through challenge and, you know, like the underdog story. And I'm not saying you go look out to, to, to create bad situations for your life so that you can have great stories. But what I mean is, is that your story matters. And to be able to empathize with others and, and to be able to do that and open yourselves up to, to have others do that with you, you know, it just creates this amazing opportunity that we don't want you to be robbed of.
0: Yeah, your life can be used for such powerful things. The Lord can do amazing things through you. You don't even understand. I don't understand all that he can do. And you're going, man, but I'm stuck in bondage. I'm in chains. I'm in addiction. I've been in sin. I got turmoil in relationships. Man, God can do amazing things through you. And we just need to let him. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just need to open up. Go to God. Go to him. Go, man, I have shame in these areas. Help me with these areas. Come into my heart. Send people to my life to help me walk these out. And grow and overcome the the shame patterns that I have because he can do incredible things. You think about King David, God didn't hide his worst sins. He shared it. Mm-hmm. Think about his son Solomon. He didn't hide his sins. Think about Samson. He didn't God didn't hide his yep. sins. Yep. All these people in the Bible, he didn't hide his sins. He just laid it out. Even Paul writing about himself. He wrote his worst sins. Mm-hmm. And he didn't he didn't hide it. He just laid it out because God can so work powerfully when we're willing to expose these things cover us with his garments cover us with the lord jesus christ and uh, and and work so powerfully through loving us through restoring our identity and through through just you know relating to our struggle and working with us and so he's sad for the struggle that you're in he's sad for the 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 chains that you may be experiencing but he's not mad at you he just loves you so much and he's pursuing you. And so be open with people. Find people that you can walk with that want to help you through this. And and most of all, let God speak identity over you because He, the words that he has over you are so beautiful and so precious and so much better than you can say about yourself. And so we hope this helps. If, there's, uh, if there are shame patterns in your life, man, God can crush them. Uh, just be willing to work through that. And thanks for hanging out with us. We hope that this is helpful. Uh, feel free if you got friends in your life that can benefit from this episode or any other episode on the podcast. Feel free to just send it over to them and spread the word and continue to help us purify the church and restore the church back to sexual health all over the world. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you'd like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.